Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Samantha, as, as movie theaters are slowly opening, I have some friends that went to the movies last what? weekend. Oh my gosh. Do you have any memorable theater experiences? So I am not a movie goer. Like, I don't love it. And the only reason I would actually go to a movie is I feel like for action movies only. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's the intent. The intensity of that is the biggest draw where you get to see like the booms and the, you know, all of (laughs) that. Yeah, you heard me. I said the booms. Uh I feel like the ones that I remember best are the ones that I went to like late night. So mm-hmm. one of them would be a Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. Enjoying that. I remember, I know exactly where I was sitting. And then one of them would be a Twilight movie. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of love to that. And then the last one, I think, is you and I and a couple of friends going to see Spider-Verse. Yeah. That, that was, was a good fun. One. That was yeah. Super Bowl. That was Everybody. fancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I love going to the movies. And part of that is my dad was a huge moviegoer. And that was like our special family thing. And um, and living in a small town, that was one of the few. We still had to drive 30 minutes to movie theater. But it was something we did as a family. And I am a huge nerd. So I dressed up and went to movies at midnight. I did most of the Harry Potter movies and some Star Wars movies. I've been to some premieres. That was really cool. But yeah, I have a lot of... um, I've had a lot of fun times at movie theaters, and I have missed it. I also enjoy going to the movies by myself in the middle of the day. Right. Actually, that's probably my preference. Because Mm -hmm. to me, unless it's like something like, ooh, that you want to talk to each other, be like really excited about. Yeah. I just want to sit in silence and watch the movie. Like, I think it's the (laughs) worst place for a date because I'm like, you don't get to know each other. Right. it's also 20 bucks. Yes. That is true. I I think I've told this story before, but when I was in college, 
Uh, my roommate and I had a standing date on Friday where we would go to La Perea and then we would go see whatever movie, no matter if like we thought it was going to be good or bad at Atlantic Station because we had a student discount tickets for $3. So it's like, well, what's the loss? Yeah, we'll go see Resident Evil Afterlife. <laughs> sure we will. And it was so fun. I loved it so much. But I have some fun memories with the movies we're talking today, which for this Feminist Movie Friday, we are wrapping up our look at Star Wars with the Star Wars sequels. And there are going to be some spoilers if you have not seen them all, although we did accidentally spoil it in a Monday Mini uh, a couple months back. So sorry about that. And yes, we promise that the Star Wars movie talk is coming to an end for now because we still want to get Holly from Stuff You Missed in History Class to talk about Rogue One. There are definitely Star Wars characters, women characters that I am looking at discussing for fictional women around the world. So never fear if that's something you're worried about, although I doubt anyone is worried about it. <laughs> I was going to say, there's no way we're done. Like that. That's very like up in the air. There's no such thing as done when it comes to Star Wars and Annie's world. So there will yes. absolutely be more Star Wars, just not specifically about the movie. We're going to take about the movies, the trilogies. Yes. For now. For now. <laughs> and we did watch the Ewok special, and I am in love with Teak, and I love him. Yes. <laughs> I'm very happy. I'm very happy that Teak and you connected on such a deep level. Still mad at the movie, though. If if you have Disney+, Plus, they're on the vintage section of the Star Wars content now, so you, can all, you too can watch Wilford Brimley in a... Very strange Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> what you I desire. Still, I still hold to the fact that it's better than the holiday specials. You haven't seen all the holiday specials, so... I saw enough. You did not see the good part of it. Uh-huh. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> one day we'll return and talk about the holiday special. Be Arthur discussion, finally. <laughs> yes, and as we've said in our previous Star Wars feminist movie episodes, these are a bit different than what we normally do and that we're covering three movies. Um, originally, I was going to talk about Rogue One and Solo too, but I was like, stop it. We're just doing the sequel trilogy and we're focusing primarily on the women in them, either in front or behind the scenes. And you can see the episode Bridget and I did on the feminism of Star Wars called The Fempire Strikes Back for more discussion on these movies specifically and on toys, costuming, toxic fandom, and toxic masculinity and mansplaining. So much discussion of mansplaining mm -hmm. and more. We recently reran that as a classic, so definitely check it out. Right. Yes, but I the reason I asked that question is because when the, the sequel trilogy came out, just like the prequel trilogy, there was so, 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 so much excitement. And at the time... You know, it was announced like J.J. Abrams is going to do it. and It's going to be so cool and sleek. And I, when The Force Awakens, the first one came out, I was in Canada with my parents. And I was determined that we had to get tickets and see it. But we, I wasn't sure where we were going to be. So it was sort of a last minute thing. And it was this enormous theater we ended up seeing it in. It was freezing. And we had to sit in the very front row and <laughs> just I just remember like staring up at it and, and everyone was so excited and dressed up and we'd snuck in like chocolate from a local chocolatier and it was a lovely, lovely time. It was very Aww. fun. Yes, Love yes. That. And then I saw The Last Jedi, the next one. I remember that because our uh, holiday party or office holiday party was the night it came out and like no one showed up because we're all nerds and we were all watching... The Last Jedi. 
Aww. And then the most recent one, Rise of Skywalker, was one of the last movies I saw in theaters before the pandemic shut everything down. And uh, I think I've told this story before. I had a lovely time. I don't think it's a good movie, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> was it a re-release? Because it was already, it had been out several it years. It was 2019. No, it came out in 2019, at the end of 2019. And then the pandemic came out in 2020. So, yeah. It came in 2019? Seriously? Yeah. I remember this. Yeah, this oh. is Knives Out. I did with Caroline from Stuff I Never Told You and Unlady. Like, we saw Knives Out and Rise of Skywalker together. <laughs> wow. Yep. Because I wasn't a part of that world. It felt like it was like, yeah, it's been out forever, right? Isn't that 2016? Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's get into the plot. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about the sequels, obviously. Uh, the Force Awakens, which came out in 2015. Yeah, I'm way off, y'all. The Last <laughs> Jedi came out in 2017, and The Rise of Skywalker came out in 2019. I don't know how all of that blended together to me. I guess because 2020 seemed like five years in the yeah. making that maybe everything just seemed so gapped out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's the plot in a nutshell. A new evil empire called the First Order has risen and there's a resistance led by General Leia Organa who is fighting them along with pilot Poe Dameron, ex-stormtrooper Finn, and force-sensitive Rey, eventually leading to a massive confrontation of the First Order and the Resistance forces and a confrontation between Rey and all the Jedi and Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine, and all the Sith. You also have the Skywalker family drama with Kylo Ren Ben Solo, who has fallen to the dark side and fights with the First Order. The forces of good are victorious, and Rey claims that last name of Skywalker, yay. Ben Solo comes back to the light side, yay. All the cameos are there, R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Lando, Han, Luke, and Leia, and all three of them die throughout these movies. So, there you go. Yep. One dies in each of them. And yeah, if the plot sounds familiar, that was one of the biggest criticisms of these films, is that there uh, was so much fan service going on. They were just trying really hard to please the fans, so they essentially did the exact same thing. There's a Death Star, which is called Starkiller Base. There's a droid carrying plans that starts off everything. There's a 19-year-old Force-sensitive on a desert planet. Especially, like, the the first and third one. Very similar (laughs) to the first and third of the original trilogy. And that is The Trouble of Nostalgia, which we've talked about before. Again, these are meant to be kids' movies. Hopefully, adults would enjoy them as well. But if a lot of adults go in and they're like, this better not ruin what I loved about my childhood, and it's not the exact same thing, and they get really mad, which is kind of ridiculous. And yes, just like the prequels, there was so much anticipation about these movies, particularly the first one, The Force Awakens. And there was so much backlash from mainly toxic dudes about SJWs ruining Star Wars, like the level of women being harassed off social media toxicity. The Last Jedi in particular really, really, really made these dudes mad. And some claim that the backlash to that film is part of the reason the last film in this trilogy feels like it dismisses everything that happened in the previous film, especially around Rey's heritage. And there's commentary about that in The Last Jedi. Like Kylo Ren says, let the past die, kill it if you have to. Um, And then you turn around, like Rey's parents went from being a nobody in The Last Jedi to give the characters space to grow. Like, you don't have to be related to Skywalker family to have a story or the Force. 
to democratizing the force to basically switching that whole narrative up. <laughs> and as discussed in the Fimpire Strikes Back episode, down with Disney's treatment of franchises and its fanboys raised an army of bots to tank The Last Jedi's Rotten Tomatoes score. And they said it was because introducing more female characters into the franchise's movement it's franchise universe. I didn't like that. Making one of the male characters, quote, a victim of the anti-mansplaining movement. And that two of the male characters might, quote, turn gay. <laughs> Some call the new trilogy feminist propaganda. Uh, and yeah, go listen to that episode. We just reran it to talk, hear more about this because they're the quotes, the quotes from these angry fanboys. We had so many. They're so shocking and like, wow. Wow, dudes. <laughs> and yeah, there's so much backlash that there are a million rumors that they're going to redo the sequels. I see, I see some every day, like new ones. Um, but still, they made a lot of money, which is always what cracks me up, is I'm like, well, you hated them a lot, but they sure did make a lot of money. Right. And you still have a, a conspiracy theory that you think this is going to come back as better than it was originally received, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that give it some time and space and people are going to mellow out. Because I, I always give the example um, when The Empire Strikes Back came out, which is now pretty widely regarded as the best Star Wars movie. People didn't like it. They didn't like it. it was sad. They thought it was dark. It doesn't really have an ending necessarily. So people weren't happy with it. But now, it's well-beloved and one yes. of the faves. Yes. Yes. So let's move on to the characters. We're going to talk about Rey. So when we first meet Rey, she's a 19-year-old scavenger living lonely life on the desert planet of Jakku. Though she has clearly had a tough and isolated existence, she's still friendly, cheerful, hopeful, and has a strong moral compass and desires to help people. She's a good mechanic, independent, strong-willed, and a creative and talented scavenger. And thus so, she was able to strike out on her own Though she lives on meager portions, usually halves, always halves. <laughs> her parents left her on Jakku in a traumatic experience as a child, and she's waiting for them to return. Despite being an excellent pilot, wanting more than Jakku has to offer, so. Yes, but that changes. She eventually meets Droid BB-8 and Finn, and they are forced to flee Jakku on the Millennium Falcon, where they reconnect with Han Solo, chewing eventually Leia, who takes Rey under her wing. Ray discovers she is Force-sensitive and journeys to find Luke Skywalker, who has been missing ever since his nephew, Ben. Ben Solo slaughtered all of Luke's Padawans and fell to the dark to become Kylo Ren. Ray convinces a really reticent and grumpy Luke to train her, and Luke fears her raw power. She forms a Force dyad with Kylo Ren, which is basically Star Wars talk for a fancy bond where you can connect and communicate across vast distances, or it's called Soulmates in the Force, uh, which doesn't necessarily have to be romantic, the creators went out of their way to point out. And she attempts to sway him and bring him back to the light. Eventually, Rey succeeds, just as we learn that Rey is actually Emperor Palpatine's granddaughter, who might also be her uncle or grandmother. Cloning is complicated, you all. And she <laughs> has a legacy of the Sith, which are evil Jedi, living inside of her. I just realized some people might really argue with me about the evil Jedi thing. Oh, well, that's a, that's a conversation for a different day. They're dark side users. <laughs> and she begins to believe that she is innately evil. Rey fights back the call of the dark side, and with the help of all of the Jedi living inside of her, she is able to defeat Palpatine and all of the Sith living inside of him. With Luke and Leia's blessing, she claims the name of Skywalker and continues the teachings of the Jedi, including with Finn, who... 
uh, is force sensitive and they never explained that in the movie. And later they were like, obviously. Um, but in the new Lego holiday special, that part of the plot is Ray trying to figure out how to train Finn in the ways of the Force. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so much Skywalker tragedy. They make me so sad. I mean, they don't exist anymore. So don't bring me down even further. <laughs> I'm just saying. They've been wiped out. Okay, so Ray has appeared in comics, specials, TV shows, and video games. It is rumored she's going to be in season three of The Mandalorian. While there was backlash against her, overall, she was pretty well-received, and Daisy Ridley's portrayal of her won her several awards, so there's that. She has a big deal of a character in a lot of ways. She was a woman and the main character of a massive franchise who wasn't sexualized. Her costuming was sensible and functional. No metal bikinis here. She's competent, powerful, smart, and still feminine, all the same. The writers and creators of Ray, J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan from the original trilogy, and Michael Arndt, so all dudes here, uh, wanted to create the new generation's Luke Skywalker, quote-unquote, which is why he's barely in the first film, uh, not at all until the end. They didn't want him to overshadow her introduction, so it was kind of nice to let her form her character, let people get to know her. They always intended for her to be the central character of all of these films, and Ridley spoke about the soft girl power impact she believed the character would have, but that she would resonate with everyone, which is true, and some even labeled this character as a new feminist icon, which I know they definitely used her in all of the Disney toy and Disneyland and world commercials. Like, they definitely leaned into that. Oh, for sure. And I do love seeing young girls in Ray costumes. It warms my heart. <laughs> yes. Despite being a central character, though, she was frequently left out of Star Wars toy sets. A Monopoly version of The Force Awakens didn't have a Ray figurine. A young girl's letter complaining about this went viral. Toy makers said they underestimated demand and or that they were trying to keep how important she was a secret, so they didn't include her. Again, she's not supposed to be the main character, so I'm kind of like, I don't get that. No, that makes sense, yeah. J.J. Abrams said about this, I will say that it seems preposterous and wrong that the main character of the movie is not well represented and what is clearly a huge piece of the Star Wars world in terms of merchandising. And you can see our past episodes on the power of toys and the lack of female action figures, but that's something else that in some ways negatively impacted these movies. Samantha had to listen to me complain about this. Uh, creative decisions made around toys and merchandising. Uh, there are some scenes where it is so obvious that they did it for toys, at least to me, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for better or worse. The Star Wars merchandise set the standard for uh, merchandising, the Star Wars franchise did, and that, I mean, similarly, like, I love Return of the Jedi, but that was a complaint about Return of the Jedi, is you introduced these Ewoks to sell some toys, and then you made a bunch of specials about the Ewoks, you lean really hard into the Ewoks. <laughs> So we did want to talk about some of the specific criticisms people have about the character of Rey. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break forward from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the main criticisms, and there's plenty, people had about Ray. And reminder, it's cool to not like something and to critique writing, but a lot of what we're talking about here is the sexist BS all throughout. Yes, yes. So one of the biggest ones that I hear a lot is that basically she was too good too fast or that she is a Mary Sue. Essentially that she got she got really good way too quickly. Uh, she was able to resist Kylo Ren's brain probe. She impressed slash surpassed Han Solo's expectations. She bested an injured Kylo Ren in a lightsaber battle without any training. I maintain, why aren't we asking if Kylo Ren is just bad? Why aren't we asking if Kylo Ren is just bad? Would we have these questions if Rey was a white dude? I'm not so sure we would. But, okay, do you know what a Mary Sue is, Samantha? I do not. I oh. song. There's, oh, yeah. Okay, well, this actually did start as a fan fiction term, but it got accepted into mainstream uh, media. And it's a fictional character who is perfect in every way, uh, usually an idealized wish fulfillment of the author. So uh, I, I feel like we must have talked about this some in the fan fiction episode, but I don't think there's anything wrong with writing a Mary Sue. I don't think it's great writing. But I think it is a natural state of being a young girl where you want to write a story and in that story, you're perfect and everyone loves you and wants to be around you. It, I mean, it just makes sense to me. But well, that's also how male writers write girls, like elusive, but perfect, uh, right. sexy, but not too sexy. Uh, yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Yes. And Daisy Ridley has actually spoken out about this uh, when people have asked about the Mary Sue thing. And she said, there's no such thing as Orion Craig, basically pointing out the term is inherently sexist and that plenty of male characters in this franchise fit that criteria. I will say there is a Gary Stew, or is it, there's, a, there's another term for it, but they're so few and far between. And you don't hear that criticism made to actors or that represent characters. That's like a real niche fan fiction thing. Right. <laughs> that term hasn't made it out into mainstream. 
And I think part of this problem is the increased budget and special effects available for these movies. Uh, Mark Hamill wanted Luke Skywalker to be way more badass in Return of the Jedi, but George Lucas was like, that isn't what this is about, but also we don't have the money or technology. And people still... Well, seeing that movie for the first time in theaters had a similar complaint that Luke went from someone who really got their ass kicked in Empire Strikes Back and then was suddenly a Jedi Knight who took down like Jabba's whole thing. Also, I get that you like Luke fanboys. I really do. You know I do. But it is it is possible that someone was more of a natural than him or better at picking things up more quickly than him. Right. <laughs> it's possible. Um, and also... Luke was an inspiration to her and to people all over the galaxy. That was one of the main messages of the sequel trilogy, of like The Last Jedi in particular. And that's... Luke didn't really have that. He didn't have that example, and she did. And if you've read any of the Extended Universe stuff, Luke did become almost godlike. Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian was ready to take his own life rather than face Luke Skywalker. So... Uh, I, I basically what I'm saying, I call it force creep. It just kind of happens where if you have the technology and like, wouldn't this look real cool? I think that it's going to, it's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about how I didn't really like what happened in Luke's storyline in these. A bunch of people didn't, including Mark Hamill, the not my Luke Skywalker thing. Um, because I didn't like it because it was sad. It messes with my cinnamon roll sensibilities and doesn't feel very Luke Skywalker to me. But he lost all of his Padawans. His nephew did it in part because Luke failed. He's the last Jedi again. It made for me watching the recent Mandalorian finale really hard. But I mean, it makes sense. That would really mess you up. Um, (laughs) And I don't own the fandom. And I think this was a realistic and interesting portrayal. It's okay to be mad or hurt and have criticisms. It's not okay to lash out about it and be hateful or racist or sexist. Any stuff like that. That's just not cool. Fair. Not cool. Um, And then there's a lot of toxic masculinity going on in these purposeful, I think, of of critique, like Kylo Ren and his tantrums. Also, he sucks. That's my my opinion, but that's what I think. He's no good as a Sith (laughs) or a Jedi. But anyway, there is this comparison of the Kylo Ren and General Hux, uh, who are like the two leaders of the First Order, and they're being like big babies and emotional and incompetent and like kind of catty against each other. Uh, And then you compare that to the, like, competent, collected leadership of Leia and Holdo, of, like, these two women getting stuff done. Some reviews describe The Last Jedi as women mostly being right and men mostly being wrong. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But also, there is another area people critique a lot, and that is romance. Right. And they could handle that way better with Ray's romance. I'm very confused throughout. I keep yelling, why aren't these people together? Wait, what is happening here? Who are they trying to put together? A lot of it seems somewhat sexist and racist, but hey, whatever. In the first one, it seems that Ray and Finn are going to get together. In the second, it's Ray and Kylo Ren, while Finn and Rose now seem to be a thing. And then the third is Kylo Ren and Finn in sort of a triangle. And there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes speculation about why this was that Disney execs were worried about the backlash again of an interracial couple if they went the Ray Finn route because white women should not be with black people, apparently. But, you know, they're going to put all the minorities together because that makes sense. Cool. Um, at the same time, Finn and Poe were at one time supposed to get together. Both actors expressed their willingness and disappointment that the storyline didn't pan out. And again, 
Yeah, that makes sense because of the fears from higher-ups about backlash once again. Um, and there's a kiss between two women at the end of the last installment, but it feels like more like tokenism to be like, see, we're cool. We're, extremely, we're, we're LGBTQA allies. Look at us. Look it's at us. Extremely brief, too. It's like yeah. so fast. <laughs> yeah. And also, Kylo Ren and Slash Ben Solo is related to Rey. Yes. I think. That's weird. They're continually updating canon around that, so I guess now they aren't. Or I don't know. It's pretty messy. And their relationship has touches of an abusive one. But I have now learned no one f- Palpatine, uh, which was my big question. After the rise of Skywalker, his son and Snoke were strand cast, which I suspect is what is up with the Imperials wanting Grogu slash Baby Yoda's blood in the Mandalorian. But unless I'm wrong, Palpatine force impregnated Shami Skywalker, who gave birth to Anakin Skywalker. So related. I would think so. I would think so. But hey. But all right, let's let's talk about some of other female characters really quickly, starting with Rose, and we probably will come back and cover these women more in depth, especially if you listeners write in to let, let us know if that's something you would like. But yes, uh, Rose Tycho was played by Kelly Marie Tran, the first woman of color to play a leading role in the Star Wars films. And in 2017, she became the first Asian-American woman to appear on the cover of Vanity Fair for her role as the character. Rose was introduced in Rian Johnson's film, The Last Jedi, as a loyal resistance officer and mechanic whose sister's sacrifice hangs over her. To most of us, anyway. She she was in a book prior to this, and she's the protagonist of several comics and appears in TV shows and video games. But most of us were introduced to Rose in this movie. She and her sister had joined the resistance after watching their homeworld be decimated by the First Order. She is hopeful, determined, creative, open, clever, and loyal. She can see both the bigger picture and the individuals making it up. She's instrumental in saving the Resistance in Last Jedi. She also serves as sort of an every fan, a fan getting pulled into the action, like when she meets Finn and she's like, are you Finn, the Finn? Uh, sort of a fan stand-in. Yeah, she uh, she does climb the ranks and plays a pivotal role in the rise of Skywalker, and it mostly takes place off-screen, leading to speculate that her role had been majorly reduced due to racist and sexist backlash, including her weight, which is stupid. Uh, despite the fact that she was critically very well-received, she everybody was so excited. I remember that was the one thing I knew about it, and I was excited. I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Tran was just about to give up acting when she got this role and struggled with the isolation of filming due to confidentiality. She bonded with the actor John Boyega over it, and she did a lot of work and a lot of training and tapped into her family's experience with the Vietnam War. So she put a lot of effort into it. She did. Tran underwent therapy to deal with all of this online harassment. When angry fanboys edited her fan page to include vulgar and racist comments, it made national headlines. Nicole Carlos over at Salon wrote, I can't help but wonder if trans character aligned with the misogynistic and racist stereotype of Asian women as submissive and seductive, would the trolls have still come out? Of note, some fans and celebrities really came out in support of her, which was beautiful to see in the face of all this ugliness. And one study suggested that 51% of the attacks on her were perpetrated by Russian bots. Tran wrote an essay about the whole thing for the New York Times called Kelly Marine Tran, I Won't Be Marginalized by Online Harassment. She wrote, Their words reinforced a narrative I had heard my whole life, that I was other, that I didn't belong, that I wasn't good enough, and simply because I wasn't like them. And that feeling I realized now was and is a shame. A shame for things that made me different, a shame for the culture from which I came from. When she appeared on a panel at Star Wars Celebration in 2019, she got a standing ovation and people chanting her name, and she visibly teared up over it. 
Over at The Independent, Clarice Loffrey wrote that trans reception was not only heartening, it was a moment of pure relief for so many fans of the franchise, worried that the well had finally been poisoned beyond repair. J.J. Abrams said, quote, I was grateful to Ryan Johnson for a lot of things he did in episode eight, The Last Jedi. And the greatest for me was casting Kelly Marie. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, she was barely in The Rise of Skywalker. She was definitely replaced by a hobbit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She was in it for less than two minutes, absent from merchandising, posters, trailers, prompting the hashtag, where's Rose, to trend, and later hashtag, Rose Tico deserved better, and hashtag, justice for Rose. Critics were outspoken about the omission, too, labeling as one of the major issues of the film, saying it was hard to feel like the trolls hadn't won. Absolutely, they won. Like, they absolutely cut her out, whatever the reason may have been, they could have done better, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then there's Maz. She's played by Lupita Nyong'o, a wise and scrappy pirate queen and collector, and also a Force-sensitive, a little Force-sensitive. She attempts to guide Rey to accept the Force and provides aid to the Resistance. Nyong'o's performance was captured through motion capture, Han Solo describes her as a, quote, acquired taste. She is centuries old and a lover of the arts. Then there's Holdo, played by Laura Dern, Vice Admiral Amalyn Holdo. She appears in The Last Jedi and is second in the chain of command behind Leia, taking control when Leia is sidelined. And oh my gosh, fanboys did not like her either. One of the things they hated about that movie was how flashy pilot Poe was called out for essentially mansplaining. And this is a character you're supposed to like, but that's the point. Not everyone who does sexist things is a horrible person. Not everyone who mansplains totally sucks. Sometimes good guys do it too, and they need to realize what they're doing. And Poe grows and learns as a character from this whole thing. There were also a lot of criticisms around her feminine appearance, including from Poe, her hair, her clothes, her jewelry, basically that any woman could be a leader dressed like that and could be respected just like that. That was impossible. She sacrificed herself to save the Resistance with the Holdo maneuver, which some fans say broke the Star Wars universe. I went down that rabbit hole and I was like, no one is going to be interested in hearing my thoughts on this. But I'll tell you that it is a controversy. (laughs) She's this eccentric, clever, dedicated, calm, competent. She appears in several comics if you want more backstory on her. (laughs) So one of the main criticisms of her character is that she's painted as the main antagonist in this film, only for it to be a reversal and she becomes the hero at the end. But because of how they painted it, it didn't work, especially if you're rooting for Poe. And however, Poe himself used the phrase, need to know, which was essentially what he was really pissed about with Holdo, that and she wouldn't praise him. In fact, she criticized him. Yeah, so he was really mad because he was like demanding answers and she was like, you know, it's need to know. And then later... He's like, does the exact same thing. Right. Uh, Yeah, and a part of this is I think you're still meant to side with Poe or at least connect with him, and it's a flip of the traditional storyline of ignoring orders from your superior with the added layer of a female leader and a male subordinate. Poe ignored orders from Leia as well, and a bunch of people died because of it. Holdo and Leia's friendship is one of my favorite parts of that movie, though. Uh, They are longtime friends. Leia said about her after she died, protecting the light was more important to her than looking like a hero. And speaking of Leia, I know we've talked about her a million times before, but I think the key point about her character, or one of them, is that she stayed. Han left, Luke left, but Leia kept up the fight and mentored the next generation. Leia takes over Rey's training after Luke's death, still hopeful and determined and strong and wise, uh, despite so much tragedy again. So much tragedy. (laughs) So much. Yes. We do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break forward from our sponsor.
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So we did want to touch on Kathleen Kennedy who is a huge controversial flashpoint in the world of Star Wars. Kennedy is a big-time producer. Her first movie was E.T., The Actual Terrestrial. The 60-plus films she's worked on have racked upwards of $11 billion, earned more than eight Oscar nominations, and with $7.5 billion in box office receipts, she is in third place as of 2020 when it comes to producing behind only Kevin Feige and Steven Spielberg. When she first got started out, she caught the attention of Steven Spielberg and worked on several of his projects. Just look for producer credits in popular movies. I guarantee you've seen her name before. You've seen something she has done. Right. So in the early 1990s, she and her husband, Frank Marshall, founded the Kennedy Marshall Company. And she's received lots and lots of awards. In 2012, she left the Kennedy Marshall Company to become a co-chair of Lucasfilm Limited next to George Lucas. And she moved up to president when Disney bought Lucasfilm out in 2018, chosen by Lucas himself. And her contract is currently set to end in October 2021, which have you seen the rumor that George Lucas is saying he's coming back? Yes, always. <laughs> always. I don't know what's true and what's false anymore. Okay, so every time something goes wrong, in quotes, in Star Wars, or is not to the liking of angry fans, she is almost always blamed right or wrong. You've probably seen her name trending on Twitter in response to some perceived Star Wars issue, especially with the sequel trilogy. Um, I mean, I, I guess a part of that makes sense because she is the president, but I really think 
she draws a lot more ire and a lot more like personal attacks than perhaps a male figure would. Um, so many headlines about how she's going to get forced out of Star Wars. You may have seen this recently when Dave Filoni was promoted at Lucasfilm and he does a bunch of the like Mandalorian and stuff like that. I definitely want to return to this for a future episode. I just wanted to mention it because I... I swear at least once a week I see that she's trending and people are mad at her about something related to Star Wars and they're like, she's going to get replaced by this person. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) We will see. Yes, and one day we're definitely going to return to Star Wars characters like Rogue One's Jin Erso, perhaps with Holly Fry, um, Kira from Solo, all the women in the, the shows. But for now, that is what we have to say about the Star Wars sequels. Please send any of your thoughts or suggestions about what movies we should do next our way. We keep a list. I swear it's not all Star Wars all the time. <laughs> you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.